wonderful opportunity we have to study your word. We're so grateful that, God, you loved us so much, you wrote a book about yourself. So we wouldn't be in fear, we wouldn't have anxiety, wouldn't feel inferior, but we'd have an accurate picture, not a religious picture, but an accurate Bible picture of the God kind of love. How you don't judge us, you love us, you care for us, we're a work in progress, and you know that. And we thank you, Father God, that in this process of growing in you, that you love us through the good times and the bad times, the parts that aren't so good, the parts that are better, and we're grateful for that. We thank you for your love. May your word come across with clarity, with accuracy, with simplicity, with passion today. As a big team, we just make a demand on heaven. Your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Today, I want to continue talking about our mandate today. I feel like we need to go back and rehearse the mandate that we gave you in the beginning of the year. The next three weeks, I want to talk about the courage to pioneer, but I want to let you know that I want to put it in the, pro- the, the perspective of being a visionary. I believe the next three weeks, I'll be sharing vision with you. I love sharing vision. It's been one of my great honors to be a visionary, to cast vision here at IFC. It's one of the things that we do. Um, don't you, aren't you glad you go to a church where you know where we're going? Who wants to go to church where we're not sure what's going on? Um, My definite vision has always been uh, the ability to see beyond the majority. Vision enables us to see. Enables us to see beyond the natural elements, the things that are in the way, the things that cloud God's plan and God's purpose so we can get the bigger picture of what God desires to do. So I'll I'll be sharing vision and, and stand in that place as visionary over these next three weeks, the courage to pioneer. I always found it very interesting and, and insightful that over the last three years, <clears throat> excuse me, each mandate started with the same word, courage. That's significant to me. The courage to what? The courage to connect, remember? The courage to grow, the courage to pioneer. Each one of these are very important that we do as a church, as a body, to connect with people, to grow in God, to pioneer and have that spirit But it's always interesting to me that that word courage, what what is the Lord trying to get across to us? What is it that he's trying to say to us as a body, as a body of believers? It's obvious to me the Holy Spirit is wanting to empower us and equip us for the challenging days that we live in. And during times of great stress, division, uncertainty, the need for courage is more important than ever. Ever that courage be something that is innate in us. Courage is something that, that, that inspires us and motivates us and keeps us moving forward and strong in the Lord. And I personally believe that courage needs to be on uh, one of the top leadership qualities that every leader needs to walk in. No matter if it's a leader over a church, a leader over your family, a leader at work, at school, on the job, you're a supervisor, an employer, um, whatever the case may be. If you're around people and you lead people, and I've done this for quite a while, I'm recognizing that there are some very important qualities that we need to have. In fact, real quick, I want to give you my top five. My top five of leadership qualities that I've worked very hard at that I believe really every leader needs to walk in, integrity, trust. Courage, humility, empathy. I believe these five qualities are very important. If you're going to do anything for God, anything with people, and it all starts with integrity. Now, when the church started, I was 27 years old. Trust me, none of these five are on my top list. I didn't know any better. Probably power, boldness, passion, be the boss, right? 27-year-old, what did I know? It took some time. 
and some maturity to recognize that everything starts with integrity. Everything starts with integrity. Nothing happens in, that has any dimension of value without integrity. My definition of integrity has always been nothing to hide, nothing to fear. When you have nothing to hide, what do you have to fear? You don't care who watches. You don't care you live in a, a glass house. Um, watch, you might learn something. Integrity. It all starts there. Without integrity, there can't be trust. That long-term relationship, that, that ability to be able to believe in someone or trust someone, like in your marriage or friendships or a congregation. I've recognized over these years, every Sunday, I'm earning your trust. It's not something I can demand. It's not something I can ask for. It's a gift that's offered. And because with integrity, trust is possible. My, the equation for, uh, my equation for trust has always been time plus integrity equals trust. That's why we have so much trust here. We have a high level of trust. We've been at this a long time. Courage, we'll talk about that in a moment. Humility, the, the ability to think of yourself less. It's not about you as a leader. It's not about you, it's about others. Amen. Humility is so important. Empathy, having a, a true understanding and sensitivity for the needs of others. What's somebody else going through? Empathy is the first step towards emotional maturity. It's the first step to realize you're finally growing up. It's not about you. I don't have any more time to go into that. That could be a master class all by itself. But I'm telling you, we need to understand the value of courage. And I said all that to say, you know, once you have integrity and develop trust, some of these might go the three to four, doesn't matter. Of course, there's a whole bunch more that come after that. But, but we realize the value of this when it comes to working with people. Amen. See, let's talk about courage for a few minutes. Courage has been admired, celebrated, and honored since the beginning of time. Something about courage that everybody wants, this attribute of fortitude that evokes great respect. Examples of courage are all around us, and, and the leadership team here at IFC, we have a front row seat to watch many of you walk in courage, to walk single husbands, single fathers and mothers you know, fight for their children, to watch families who have been going through broken situations to rise up and not be denied and not let go and not let the spirit of divorce take over. We've seen teens and young adults say, I'm going to make my stand for Christ. I'm not going to bow my knee to this antichrist spirit. We've seen people fight through financial debt and financial problems and health issues and so forth and watch them rise up and refuse to be denied. Courage is all around us. Courage. I've watched immigrants who are, who are doing their very best. They're overwhelmed by the process, but they, they're working so hard to, to improve their life and have a better life than, than what they were used to, what their family was for. All courage, all things that I admire, all things that I am a, a firsthand witness of your stand and, and what you're doing as believers, you know, standing courageously. And we see this played out in the Bible from cover to cover, stories of courage. Abraham left his home to journey to a place that he wasn't even sure existed. Moses overcame a speech impediment and led the people of Israel to freedom. Joshua faced doubters who feared the promised land was way too difficult to conquer. Gideon led an army of only 300 to defeat thousands. Daniel, Esther displayed tremendous courage in the face of possible Death. Nehemiah overcame fierce opposition to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem in just 52 days. Jesus faced the cross and triumphed over death and 
Paul penned parts of the New Testament while nurturing wounds while he was in prison. I mean, the, the examples are all around us. These inspiring examples that we don't back down in adversity. We don't back down when times are tough. We don't back down when we're in, in areas of uncertainty and, and, and division and craziness around us. Something about the child of God that's full of courage. Something about the man, the woman, the husband, the wife, the teenager, the child that refuses to back down. I love the words of Jesus in John 16. 33, it says, I, I have told you these things, that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Hello? But take heart. I have overcome the world. What a great promise. What a great declaration from Jesus himself. See, following Jesus does not mean you'll never falter or fail or fear. But rather, in the midst of those realities, we're able to take heart. Because you will falter. You will have doubts. You will fail. You will give in to fear. There's no doubt that every one of us have, have understood that and experienced that firsthand. But there's something about learning how to take heart in the midst of all that. See, what I've learned in the lives of great Christian leaders and everyday people teach us that when you follow a God-sized dream, you need God-sized courage. The bigger your dream, the bigger your courage. The more God puts on the inside of you, the more you realize who you are and what God has done in your life, the more you realize, man, the courage to back that up. You can't fulfill any of that without courage. We need to have courage for three years. The Spirit of God has been trying to get across to us. Have courage, IFC. Come on, IFC. Don't give in. Don't back down. Take heart, IFC. I, this, this all embodies the psalmist words and, and psalms. 3124, it says, be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who hope in the Lord. How many here this morning are putting their hope in the Lord? Let me see your hand. All right, that's not good enough. And you're, some of you aren't paying attention, all right, because there should be more hands than that. If there's more hands than that, I'm not doing my job very well. Okay, I'm going to give you another chance to pass the test. You ready? How many of you have put their hope in the Lord today? Thank you very much. Some of you just got lazy on me. Amen. Not today. Amen, not today. Well, if you put your hope in the Lord, the Bible says, take courage. Yes. Take courage because your hope is in the Lord. No better place than to put your hope than your hope in the Lord. Your hope to put your trust in Him. Man, take heart, church. Take heart and be courageous. Take heart and stand your ground. Take heart and say, there's no quit in me. There's no quit in my house. There's no quit in my family. Amen, we don't know how to do that. That's why if you're going to obey God, you need courage. Because most often God's plans don't come in convenient moments, during easy times. Absolutely not. There's always voices of opposition, including the devil, your friends, and oftentimes your family, that'll tell you to back down and slow up and reconsider your plan of action. But we recognize that when you're full of courage and you got God's plan in your heart, maybe a small portion of it, or, or maybe it's become fuzzy and you're just not sure for all that we've been through in this COVID season and all that we've been through in life and in general. And I tell you what, we need to know that if you're going to obey God, you have to have courage to go along with it. Let's define courage. Wikipedia says this about courage. The ability to comfort, to confront fear in the face of pain, danger, uncertainty, and intimidation. Every one of us here have gone through pain. 
physical pain, emotional pain, mental anguish, danger. We've all been in that place where we felt danger, of course, uncertainty, of course, intimidation. Um, and so every one of us have been in that place. And courage is having the guts to do what needs to be done regardless of fear and regardless of how you feel and the questions that remain unanswered. I think that's the big test of courage. Can you still have courage when you feel fear? Can you still have courage when you don't have all the answers? Can you still have courage when you don't get it? I understand. Why did my life just blow up? I I wasn't planning on this. Why is everything taking so long? What in the world is going on? Can you still have courage in the midst of not knowing, in the midst of putting your hope in God and still not having all the answers? Man, that's a real test for all of us. We want the answers. We want to be in the know. We, we strive for that. We, we don't have the capacity. Where do we put all these things that it seems like I have no answers for? It takes courage, doesn't it? We must rise up and be courageous during these times. See, without courage, your assignment is crippled. You could have crystal clear vision. And you know year one, this is going to happen. Year two, I'm going to get married. Year three or four, we're going to have three kids. Maybe not all at once. Uh, we're going we're gonna, right, to, we, we've got this vision. We're going to go to school. We're going to graduate. We're going to get our degree. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to have this uh, relationship and on and on and on it goes. That's all great. But without courage for some action, it's never going to happen. It takes courage to go back to school. It takes courage to get into a relationship. It takes courage to join a church it takes courage to be a part of a group of people you don't know. It takes courage to stand your ground. It takes courage to start something new and be bold and, 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 and be in that place where God wants you to be. Absolutely, it does. Amen. We can't be people that are always ready, aim, ready, aim, ready, aim, talking a good talk but never ready, aim, fire. It takes courage to, to fire. It takes courage to say, we can do this. Let me quickly give you three insights concerning courage. Number one, insight number one, courage is not gender specific. It doesn't require an education, an age limit, or a resume. You can be the least qualified person in the room and be the most courageous. You don't need to have a resume. You don't need eight years of this and four years of that and, and, and memorization of the Bible and all these kind of things. Aren't you glad that it's not based on any of these things It's something that happens inside of us. It's something God does when he transfers that courage in everyday lives. That no matter what the frustration or what the the obstacles, praise God, we can rise up, amen, and do it. And and even if we are afraid, moving forward has certain risks available to it. But, But we know that running away during difficult times is even worse. Amen. That's why I believe courage is one of the most important qualities to possess. Insight number two, courage is not inborn like some personality traits. It's learned. That's that's important. You can be the shyest person in the room, the most insecure person in the room, the person that hates to be in front of people. You can be, you can be like, like, like silent. You, can, you have no voice. or it, You can be the, the quietest, shyest person in the room and still know you can learn to be courageous. It's not just for the bold. It's not just for the loud. It's not just for those that have certain different personalities or, or have, have, have experienced more of life. It's good news is it can be learned. It's not just for a few of us. It's for all of us. And that's the beauty of courage. Insight number three is courage 
is feeling fear but choosing to act anyways. Every one of us feel fear. You're lying when you say you don't. You're a liar and we need to pray for you before the service is over. Because it's just not true. There might be certain things that make me fearful that might not make you fearful, but we all face fear. I do. You kidding me? We all face fear. We're all shaking in our boots. We all realize that we're so far and over my, our heads. During this season of the, of the world and the season of the body of Christ and, and so forth, man, I'm so far and over my head. I, there are times I think, Lord, how do, how do we pastor during this season? How do we help our people? How do we get people strong and stand their ground? I mean, it's overwhelming at times. Are you kidding me? But see, if we always gave in to fear, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be where we are today. You wouldn't be here today. You wouldn't be where you are today. I'm not saying you're where you want to be, but you're sure, you're sure a lot further than you used to be. Come on, somebody, right? So remember how children sometimes, they have this natural courage. And when you think back at some children have this something in them, you know, they, they, they can't wait to get the training wheels off their bike. They can't wait to jump into the deep end without their floaties. They can't wait to, to, to get their hand off the rail when they ice skate. We can do it on my own. I need your help, Dad. Right? They don't need that little thing in front of them before you know, they fall like some of us adults still need. Right? There's just something about that innate courage that inspires us. And here's what I've learned about that, that we learn that progress requires courage. You can't make progress without courage. You can't advance from where you are right now and where you want to be without courage. It's natural, it's spiritual, it's everything. Something about this courage, something about this courage that says, I will not be denied, I will not back down. There's something better out there. I might not know how to get there, but God does. God does, he understands. You can't make progress without courage. I did a message years ago called Saved, Sanctified, and Stuck. We have a lot of of stuck, saved, sanctified people. They're stuck because they need courage. They're stuck. They're bored. They, 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 their walk with God is, is not what it used to be. It takes courage to rise up and be in that place. I loved what Nelson Mandela said. He said, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. What a great example. And what a great example that he is amen, and was about fear. Every person makes a choice. Are you going to sit on the mountaintop and, and enjoy the view? Or are you going to get off the mountaintop and get down to work and say, it's time to make some progress. It's time to move forward. Not time to, to, to look and see what all has been accomplished. It's time to continually moving forward. Courage, courage. What about Pioneer? Let's talk about Pioneer for a minute before I close today. The church has never been in a greater need for Pioneer's of all ages. We need pioneers to rise up today. In this antichrist spirit, uh, in this age, in this cross-cultural situation that we're all seem to be facing, it's time for pioneers of all ages and backgrounds to step up and lead the way. During times of crises, chaos, and change, it separates the pioneers from the settlers. Vern and I made up our mind years ago that we're pioneers. We're not settlers. I have nothing against settlers, but I'm not one. I'm not one. Amen. IFC, November of 1981, we started with a pioneer spirit, or we could call it the spirit of faith. 
And we made up our minds that from that point forward, we will be pioneers. We will continue to be pioneers. We will always be pioneers. That we will never ever be anything but a pioneer. Amen. And we learned that, that that same spirit, no matter how dark, no matter how difficult the days in front of us might become, thank God for that pioneer spirit. Dictionary.com defines courage, pioneer, as someone who opens up and explores a new way. Someone who takes the lead or initiative. Someone who prepares the way for others. Someone who digs through the obstacles to make it easier for others. That's IFC. That's International Family Church. That's who I'm looking at right here. A bunch of pioneers in this room that are doing exactly that. You that are online watching today. That's who we are. We are nothing else but that. That's who we must always strive to be, no matter how challenging life becomes, no matter how overwhelming life becomes. See, in Joshua chapter 3, we have a great example of two pioneers whose time had finally come to step out into the adventurous danger of uncharted territory. When you hear that phrase, the adventurous danger of uncharted territories. Some of you are like, no thanks. <laughs> and others of you say, come on, let's do this. See, it, it, there's, there's something about a spirit about that. But here we find a story, Joshua chapter 3. We're going to read it here in a moment, verses 1 to 4. The children of Israel are finally right there on the, on the brink of the promised land. They're right there finally. A whole generation has died off. 40 years of wandering, 40 years of going in circles, 40 years suffering that was an 11-day trip, but 40 years they were making circles and circles, and here they are now, a new generation. Here they are now, a brand new group of people. Here they are now, uncle and auntie so-and-so, and dad and mom and grandpa and grammy, they're all gone. They're all gone now. A new generation has come up, a new generation. All they knew was the wilderness. All they knew was wandering along with the situation, and they were ready for something new. They were ready for a new challenge. They were ready to say, come on, there's a new day God has promised. We heard about these promises God made. We heard about this, this, this opportunity, this land that's been prepared for us. We heard about this, and it's, it's time now. We pick it up in verse 1 of Joshua 3. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go. Here's the phrase. Since you have never been this way before, but keep a distance about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark and do not go near it. The part that obviously I've magnified here and, and, and highlighted, since you have never been this way before. See, pioneers don't need a road. If there's a road, we'll take it. But if there's not, we'll make a new one. Right? That's, that's the courage part of a pioneer. A pioneer realized, I've not been this way before, so others will sit back and say, well, I'll wait till somebody else makes a road. I'll wait till somebody else, you know, makes sure there's a, a hotel with room service, you know, where there's some food and some places to go out to eat and, and some different things. I'll, I'll wait till there's a, you know, a, a nice community. I'll wait for other things. But, but here there's something about that's on IFC. Since you have not been this way before, 
See, I believe that the reason why God gave us this mandate, and you'll learn more about it in the next two weeks, the fullness of this mandate, the courage to pioneer, is because God's taking us where we've never been before. God's taking us where we've never been before. See, in Numbers 13, we know that originally there was 12 leaders who were chosen, one from each tribe, and they were called to spy out the land. These were 12 leaders that, that, that every tribe kind of, I don't know if they voted, I don't know what they did, but they picked the best of the best. These 12 people were the leaders of the year. These 12 leaders were the, they were the man. They were the dude. They were like, whoa, okay, we're going to lead us. We want you to lead us. So these were hand-picked. These were not wimpy people. These were not like, okay, nobody else wants to do it. We'll pick you. These were folks that stood up head and shoulders above the rest. These were the leaders of each tribe. These were men of stature. Forty days they were in the land, spying out the land. They all agreed that what they saw was amazing, and they brought back proof of their big score. All 12 had the potential of being pioneers. All 12 had the potential of distinguishing themselves that season. But only two distinguished themselves that day as pioneers. Because of fear, the other 10 settled for something they were never meant to be. Settlers. Settlers. You were never meant to be just a settler. Nothing wrong with being a settler. We need settlers. But let me tell you something. When you're called to be a pioneer and you settle, it's the worst thing possible. Some of you during this COVID season, you've settled to be something you were never meant to be. You were never that fearful before. You were never that overwhelmed by life before. You were never backing down from the devil before. You were not giving in to the things of the news and everything else. You were not that way before. And suddenly you become something you were never meant to be. Has it been overwhelming? Heck yeah. Has it been challenging? You better believe it. Has it shaken our world? Man, yes. Has it done something to our emotions and our, our, our health and our, our soul? You better believe it has. But don't let it change you to be something you were never meant to be. Yes, it rocked my world as it rocked your world, but I know who I am. And you know who you are. And our big takeaway for the year has always been, we know that our big takeaway this year is we don't fear the future, we pioneer it. That's why I'm wearing my t-shirt today. I don't fear the future, I pioneer it. Now it's very important today that we understand something. What we have here in Numbers 13 is what I call a defining moment. A defining moment is a moment when you get introduced to yourself. Hi, me. Wow, I didn't realize you were that fearful. I didn't realize you thought that way. I didn't expect you to be this way. It's a defining moment because you see yourself in a brand new light. You see yourself either like, wow, I'm amazing, or wow, I, I'm, I am, you know, fearful and, and, and backing down. It's a defining moment. Here in Numbers 13 is a defining moment. Well, these 12 leaders lead hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people into their promised land? Will they rise up in the grace of God? Will they rise up in power beyond their ability? Will they rise up and be who God called them to be and obey God and, 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 and conquer the land that was theirs? Or will they back down? Or will they allow fear to cause them to, to and uncertainty to back off and lead their people 
in the circles of unfulfilled dreams. I was praying about that one day. And the wilderness to me suddenly came alive that this was an unfulfilled circle of dreams. Unfulfilled circles. How many of us because of fear? How many of us because of uncertainty? How many of us are wandering around? It was an 11-day journey that took 40 years because of fear, because of uncertainty, because leaders refused to go. Leaders were the problem here, not the people. The leaders were. We leaders can be the problem. We leaders can be so overwhelmed. We're human just like you are. But these leaders, these 10 leaders said, we can't do this. There's giants in the land. They were overwhelmed by what they saw that they never saw before. And I learned something years ago. A faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. A faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. See, when you're stuck in your comfort zone, you don't know where your faith is. You've never tested it. You've never stood your ground. You've never stood your ground. You've given in or you've done it the easy way or you didn't trust God or you stopped going to church when times got tough and, and we, you, we, you found out you were a crisis Christian. Only during crises do you sit somewhere close to the front. Nothing against all you in the back, okay? I love you. I'm sure you're awesome. Amen. But you get my point. Let me tell you something. My wife and I, our faith has been tested through the years. 45 years marriage, 40 years pastoring. You need to tell you something. Our faith has been tested. My, life's, my wife's near-death experience, we weren't even allowed, we weren't even able to have children. And, and we believed God. Our faith was tested to have our, our two babies and, and experience these wonderful grandbabies that we have. Let me, let me tell you something. When your faith is tested and you have a victory, something happens to you. Your shoulders go back. You got a spring in your step. And you say, ha, devil, you gave me your best shot. Ha, didn't work, did it? Something happens to you when your faith gets tested. Something happens to you. You can't wait for the next thing. You Come here. And he realizes, I'm not going to mess with you. He realizes what happens when you've got the victory. He realizes what happens when you stood your ground. Amen. A faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. And because your faith gets tested, don't be afraid of the test. Don't be afraid of the trial. Don't be afraid of something that stands in your way and says you can't when God says you can. Don't be afraid of that doctor's report. Don't be afraid when it seems like your marriage is falling apart. Don't be afraid when your kids lose their mind and their hormones go nuts. Don't be afraid. A faith tested is a, is a faith that can stand its ground and believe God for the victory. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. 1 John 5, 4 says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. A faith that's tested. A faith that stands on God's word. A faith that believes. Amen. In Judges chapter 7, let me end with this. There's an exciting account of an incredible victory under the leadership of Gideon. The Midianites had 145,000 enemy forces. Gideon has now overcome his insecurity. He began to finally believe how God saw him. God saw him a mighty man of valor, even though he didn't see himself that way. He began to change his view, and he bought into what God said about him. He became a judge, an Old Testament judge. 
God began to use him and God began to help him. The people were crying out for, for help because of poverty and tyranny and, and oppression. And, and, and Josh Gideon rises up and, and, and I won't go through the whole story, but he's in a place now where there's a battle that he's about to face the Midianites. The Midianites have overwhelming numbers. I said 145,000. Gideon proved himself to be a worthy general and had an army assembled of 32,000 fighters. We're already seeing, man, they're already outnumbered. And now they're ready for battle. They go to God, and God gives Gideon some very strange commands. 7, starting at verse 2. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many warriors with you. What? If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. What? 22,000 soldiers, two-thirds of his army was dismissed because the reason being God knew them, God knew their propensity in the past to do things in their own strength. Always got them in trouble. Always went the wrong way. Always enemy forces took over and they were captured and, 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 and controlled because they wanted to do it their way. They were stubborn. They said, I, gotta, I can do this. I can figure this out myself. God knew that about them and didn't want them to go back. And so he recognized this is exactly what needs to happen. So now the army's reduced to, by two-thirds. 10,000 men, let's go. We're ready. Verse 4. But the Lord told Gideon, there are still too many. Bring them down to the spring and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, divide the men into two groups. The one group put all those who cup water in their hands and lap it with their tongues like dogs. In the other group put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. Wow. What does that mean? What a test this was. Soldiers were ready for battle, but they're thirsty. They've been training. Every one of them had the same need. Every one of them were thirsty. Every one of them had needs, the same needs. But the ones that got down on all fours, the ones that got down on all fours and drank the water this way, they were the ones that weren't ready. They were the ones that had to go home. They were the ones that said, I'm concerned about me. I need me. I need my needs met. Me, 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 me. I need me. I need, I don't care what's going on. I don't care. We're about to go to battle. Oh man, this tastes so good. This is what I need. Me, 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 me. That's what they did. And the ones that did this, the ones that said, okay. The ones that were alert. The ones that said, I'm a soldier. Where's, where's, my, where's my general? There's Gideon. Okay. The ones that did this were alert. The ones that were not self-indulgent. The ones that had a big picture mentality. The ones who had a vision. The ones who had courage. The ones who had purpose. The ones who said, 
I, I know we got to do this together. 300 of them. God said, those are the ones that you need. Those are the ones that you need. Now, so listen very carefully. There's a statement that I put on here. Put, it, put that next statement. No, not that one. The next one. Notice it wasn't the strongest or the bravest that God chose that day. God chose the ones who would not give in to fear and put their trust in Him and were on high alert, sensitive to God's instructions. Come on, somebody. See, we think God's going to use the biggest, the baddest, the, the, the ones that have all the experience, the ones that have all, you know, they've done this for all these years. God's not looking for the biggest and baddest. He's not looking for the bravest. He's not looking for the one who prays in tongues more than anybody else. He's not looking for the one who reads their Bibles 24 hours a day. He's, that's great. There's nothing wrong with any of that. Amen. God's looking for people that will say, I won't be afraid. I'll be alert. I'll stand my ground. I'm a part of a family. I'm a part of a team. I'm a part of a group of people that are going somewhere. Amen. I will do my part. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. I'm a soldier that will not back down to the enemy. I'm a soldier that will be willing to do this God's way. Oh, my goodness. Think about it. Think about it. My time's over, but think about it. If 32,000 people defeated 145,000, they would become, they would be called brave men, wouldn't they? If 10,000 people defeated an army of 145,000, man, we'd write movies about them. But 300 against 145,000? Preposterous. Only God can do that. Only a miracle can happen. Only divine intervention can take place. You know what that tells me? You and God make a majority. You and God in that verse of scripture you're standing on. You and God in your faith in Him. You and God in a brother and sister standing next to you. We make the majority. We feel overwhelmed by life. We feel overwhelmed by the circumstance. We feel overwhelmed by the news that we heard. But you and God always make the majority. No matter where you are at work, no matter where you are in university or college, no matter where you are in what neighborhood, no matter what's going on around you, no matter what is being thrown against you, you and God make the majority. God's looking for people that'll say, I feel fear, but I'm not giving in to it. I want my needs met, but I realize I'm a part of something bigger. I'm a part of something, yes, their needs were met, but at the same time, they realized they were on high alert. And God is saying to us today, what are we allowing fear to grip our hearts about? What are we backing down because we're so bound by fear? What are we doing? What's going on? What are we, why are we so consumed with ourselves? I get it. COVID made us go inward. It made us, you know, be in our family. And be, I get it. We had to self-preserve. We had a. it was, it was, who knew what was being said? What's true? What's not true? We, it's overwhelming. There's no doubt about it. But we can't let this season stop us from being the church that God called us to be, to rise up and be the champions and the pioneers in prayer, in fellowship, together, you and I, let me tell you something. Today, upstairs in the cafe, is a wonderful opportunity, life group launch, for you to investigate a life group, a part of community that you get to put yourself into. I didn't get to say this in the first service, but listen to this. 
community is not built on convenience, but on the conviction that I need it for my spiritual health. Don't do life alone. You need a community. A community that will help you in the midst of your fears. A community that will help you in the midst of your indulging yourself because of the drama in your life is so overwhelming. If we're going to be pioneers here at IFC, we have to make up our minds that we do encourage each other, that we will not give in to fear about our future. And we will not be self-indulgent. That we will see the bigger picture. We will understand that we can't, we got to do this together. We'll understand that God has put us together for a reason and a purpose so that we can be all that God wants us to be. Let me tell you something. Our best days are ahead of us. They're not behind us. Our best days are right here. Our best days, amen, and all God's plan for you and for us and for all that God wants to have. God is setting us up royally. Let's be the 300. Can we do that? Let's be the 300, all of us. Yeah, we're more than 300, but let's be the 300. Let's have the attitude of the 300 that says, we're doing this. We're going for it. What a great day to be alive. Yeah, we'll press through the fear, and we'll press through all the needs that I have and know that God will take care of us as we listen to Him, stay on high alert, and follow His lead in Jesus' name. Did you learn something today? Come on, stand to your feet. Come on, lift up those hands and worship God with me today. Father, we bless you. Thank you. We're a part of the 300. Let that be who we are in prayer. Let that be who we are in service. Let that be who we are in community. Let that be who we are here at IFC and all of our differences and all of our challenges. We look to you today, Father. Ah, we bless you today. We worship and adore you. What a mighty God we serve today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Come on, bless him for a few moments. No fear here. No fear here. We put our trust in you, Father. We put our trust in you. We'll be courageous and we'll be strong. We thank you for it, Father. Why? Because we're pioneers. We don't fear the future. We pioneer it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. We rejoice in you today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. With every head bowed, please. Before Verna comes and closes the service, I want to make sure that every one of you, Jesus lives inside of your heart. Your sins are forgiven. Every one of you, the sound of my voice, whether you're online, here in the room, wherever you might be, there's not been a greater time and a greater season to make sure that your heart's right with God. That Jesus lives inside of your heart. Your sins are forgiven. Heaven is your final home. The Spirit of God lives inside of you to live this life as a pioneer, to live this life free from all the beggarly elements of this world. I want to make sure Jesus lives inside your heart today. You say, Pastor, I want to know that I know. I don't want to be bound by fear. I don't want to be bound by my own drama. There's something better waiting for me. Yes. Pastor, I need Jesus today. If that's you, will you raise your hand and put it down? I want to know who you are today. You make your decision. Who are you? Raise it up high today. Thank you. Yes. Amen. Who are you? Yes. Thank you. Raise it up. I I'm ready for Jesus. I'm ready to make this decision, Pastor. Yes. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank God for those hands today. Online, communicate with us. Communicate with those who are hosting today and let us pray with you and believe with you today. 
There's no reason why we shouldn't know. There's no reason why those of us that have drifted away can come back to Father's house today. Come back into his open arms. So many have, their faith in God has waned. I get it. But God's arms are still open wide for you. Come back to Father's house today. Let me pray for you. Say this prayer with me. Father, in Jesus' name, here's my heart. I need you, Jesus. I declare you as my Lord. Forgive me from my sin. I believe you died for me. You shed your blood for me. But you didn't stay dead. You're alive and well. And I invite you to live inside of me. And I receive by faith forgiveness, salvation, eternal life. I want to be a part of the 300. In Jesus' name.